Hello and welcome to Goblet of Wine, a drunken Harry Potter podcast. I'm Charlie. And I'm Hannah. And we're two 20-somethings reviewing our favourite, previously childhood favourite alcoholic book. <laughs> in today's episode... we added alcohol cynicism. In today's episode, we're talking about chapter 24 of Half Blood Prince. So grab a glass of your favourite alcoholic beverage and join us on this drunken, reminiscent journey. Hi. Hi! I just knocked a whole plant over. She did. There's soil all over the bedding that Charlie has to sleep on tonight. Yeah, thanks for that. Everyone in this house, aside from me, is knocking over plants. I know. I think I it's just my turn. Determined. Don't, please. How are you? Tired, increasingly sick. I'm coming down with a cold. Um, my mouth tastes like soother, so whatever the fuck we're drinking is going to taste like soother. Mm-hmm. A throat sweet for anyone unfamiliar. How are you? I'm good, thank you. I will say I'm excited. We're going to have Domino's after this and I'm really excited. I have not had it in like months. I had it a week and a half ago, but I'm also excited. Good. No, I'm very excited. So you guys should know this because otherwise it will probably like fuck up in some way. For the second time ever, we're recording out of sync. Are you doing an impression of me uh, every time I look away? No. No. Um, you're scaring me. <laughs> We're Why? recording out of sync. So we recorded episode 111 earlier today. This is episode 113, but recording episode 112 with Neil tomorrow because Neil is selfishly a man. wasn't available today. Absolute cunt behaviour. Selfish. He clearly doesn't care about you guys in this podcast enough. No, he should have cancelled his plans of going to Brighton. Absolutely he should have. It's raining. Why would you want to go outside when you could stay inside and talk in depth about the percentage of Voldemort's soul? Should we drink what we're drinking today again because it's got ice in it? <coughs> oh God, my throat. Yes. So this is a Patreon request from... Uh, I was going to tell you what it is. We never do it in that order. You said, shall we drink it? I started drinking it. I normally explain to you what it is first. Also, my throat hurts. Oh my God. You need water. That's pure alcohol. So this is from our producer level Patreon, Michael. And Michael said, just something nice. You don't need to suffer anymore when the man, capital T, capital M, is always trying to bring you down. Anyway. I'd okay, IDK if this is actually a thing, but I call it the cruiser because it can keep you drunk for a while so you can just cruise through the evening. I love the detail that went into this, mm. Michael. Thank you. I want this story with everything people send us. 45 millilitres of gin. 45 millilitres of brandy. Now, I had to look this up because in England, brandy is like like whiskey, like a like the brown liquid right golden i just thought you were just hand-splaining things to well me. no but he's putting like it's it's a whiskey is actually a brown liquid no no no. because he put in brackets usually unflavored but you can go for apple or peach and i was like what you don't get flavored brandies in europe what we call schnapps is called brandy so then i was like oh okay so he means like a clear brandy, which I don't think we sell in this country. So I put peach snaps in it and I did all the Googling. Peach snaps in other countries is called brandy or peach brandy. Mm-hmm. 
Um, a splash of lemon juice, two, ba- two dashes of bitters and a large ice cube served in a brandy glass. Then he said, you can add 60 to 90 milliliters of ginger ale to make it more palatable. You hate ginger ale and more palatable? No, let's just drink pure alcohol. Yeah, I mean, I've already tried it. So I you, still want to cheer. We always cheers. I'll die if we don't cheers. You're so lazy. Yeah, that was my reaction that I tried to hide from you. <laughs> I don't dislike it, but my God, is that just pure alcohol? Yeah. 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 Every every time you were looking away, I was like... But the actual taste of it isn't bad. Like, the flavours, it's just strong. It is slightly grassy, I will say that. And we know I don't really love a grassy spirit or drink. It hasn't got anything grassy in it. No, but it does taste grassy. Mm. I quite like it, but... My God, that is neat. And I haven't got like a squash or water with me. Mm. New patrons? Oh, for God's sake. What, what, what? Just top of the episode. You're just sick of running a podcast. I really am. You're just like, oh, we have to say the alcohol. Oh, we have to say page. Oh, we have to say reviews. You have to talk about Harry Potter. Ugh. 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 Quit. Please don't, don't leave me. I'm never leaving. <laughs> a... Naughty but nice size thank you to Night Scroller. And Emily Gilmore size thank you to Emily. Very nice. Lucky them. Mm. A sodomy size thank you to... So- no? Too bad? Too too far? No. A sodomy size thank you to Sophie. A West Ham size thank you to West Erin. If I've said that correctly, please let me know. A Helga Hufflepuff size thank you to Helena, who has upgraded to a producer-level Patreon. A sausage, size thank you to Sarah, or Sarah. I never know. I th- I always think without the H it's Sarah, but I that's not always true. And a metamorphosis, size thank you to Maria. Thank you all so much for supporting us and letting us buy new cameras. So we have another lovely review to read out. This is from I Will Never Find a Unique Name. Oh. Who says, hilarious pod. I've been listening nonstop since Hannah. I won't lie, they did spell your name incorrectly. And Charlie were guests at the Gaily Prophet. It took this long in bracket brackets, four months, because I listened at the audiobook at the same time. Anyway, I'm a I, I love how they say this long, as if four months to catch up on an entire six seasons of this podcast is yep. a long time. I'm a an a hundred percent sober person who for some reason just love it when Hannah and Charlie gets drunk Aww. and come up with wild ideas. I'm siding with Charlie. I hate men and kids. <laughs> <laughs> Since this is your second Swedish review, I just love it when you mention Copperbergs. By the way, copper means mountain. Aww. Now that I'm finally caught up, I have to figure out what to do with my life. Please keep doing this pod forever. Love you. Oh, I love you too. So that was nice. such a good and I fucking love a Copperberg. It's I can't all... believe we've only ever had two Swedish reviews. I know. Wild. And my best friend's Swedish. <gasps> that means she's not left a review while she's been in Sweden. Is it where you where you are, where your phone's set to? I reckon it's probably your um like where your Apple account is. Yeah. And anyway, yeah, that's a really great review. Yeah, I love <clears throat> Copperbergs and it's almost Copperberg season. It's Carpin season. <laughs> Or a recordalic season as well. I dislike both, but, you know, I'll support (sighs) the season. 
No, I love I love a fruity cider. I don't really like like cider cider, but I do love a fruity cider. Valid. We also have some more delightful replies to our question. So the question that we are looking at today was when we asked, how do you think Tom knew about her being... What's her name? Hepzibah. Hepzibah having the Hogwarts founder's relics. I didn't even know we asked that question. I should really look at what questions you said. I was like, wow, that's cool. Yes. Uh, so Divya says, I fell asleep listening to this and woke, Rude. <laughs> and woke up in a panic at the Goblet of Wine part. <laughs> Goblet of wine, goblet of wine, goblet of wine, goblet of wine. The answer, though, is Tom Dev got a slave to do his dirty work, just like his bestie Harry. Very true. Jasmine says, I think he asked a magic eight ball, mm-hmm. which I like that. Good. Same. Supersized mcshish <laughs> why are the names on spotify so wild <laughs> oh my god actually i just really okay so i was um so cool that i was a spotify beta tester before spotify was ever actually properly released but that meant that when i created my spotify account i was so young and cringe that my spotify username is indie kid you're so indie yeah Bear in mind, this is bizarre because I think I was like 14 at the time and I was like massively into like rock then. I pretty much exclusively listened to like emo music or like Guns N' Roses. Mm. So I don't know why I put it as Indie Kid. I'm now stuck with that. And obviously I don't want to lose all of my playlists and everything. So I've never changed it. And I even at one point like emailed them and was like, is there a way that you can manually change this? Because it is mortifying. But now I'm thinking about it. Does that mean if I were to... Com, like reply to a different oh, yeah. podcast thing it would say indie kid oh we should test that no just reply to ours through your personal account no because then people will see and then they'll judge my music taste it's really bad so supersized mick shizzle i can't even say that says he has an army of nifflers obs and then Thomas Gumbly, he says, nah, he just had a massive crush on her, being Hepzibah, and when she was showing him, he couldn't help his primal urges and let his monster loose. Yet another similarity between him and Harry. So Jack says, Legil- I can't even say it, Legilimency, which, yeah, we're dumb. Yeah, that, that's the right answer, isn't it? That, yeah. Yeah. But Saren says the same thing. His spidey senses, which is essentially what legilimency is. Yeah. But now when I think of spidey senses, I only think of Zendaya throwing bread. Yes. <laughs> it doesn't work for bread. Mm-hmm. I hate me. That's this valid. chapter. Okay. So much. Okay. It gives me not even like secondhand embarrassment, secondhand guilt and anxiety. Interesting. And I hate it okay you can't say that you like it i don't like it i've never felt that strong a hatred for it i just honestly like i'm pretty sure i've even skipped it in the audiobooks before because it just what like just oh I've, I've never had that strong feelings about it i would never put it anywhere near any of my top chapters especially for this book which i think is particularly strong i don't think it's great but yeah it's fine i just yeah i'm one of those people like i don't like cringe humor because i really suffer from like secondhand embarrassment even yeah. when it's like fictional characters i think that i kind of get the same thing here where i get like the like guilt and anxiety that harry must be feeling over this yeah until he very quickly just moves on yeah he's out like, chill with it now he's yeah gonna live, like, isn't he? uh, 
just, it makes me feel sick. Well, are you excited to talk about it for over an hour? No. Okay, let's go. Chapter 24, Sectum Sempera. So Harry tells Ron and Hermione everything he learned the other night about Horcruxes and about Dumbledore saying he can go along with him. But he does all this during a charms class, which I get that they use muffliato, but I'd be annoyed if I was Ron and Hermione because I couldn't fully concentrate. Like, mm. if there was that much going on around me, I'd be like, no, 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 shh, no, 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 this is really important. I want to wait. Yeah. The thing with muffliato is like, surely they can still, like, the teacher could still see that they're like, yeah, but I think they always do it in charms because Flitwick's so chill. As long as they're actually trying the spells, he's just like, yeah, whatever. The way I really, for some reason, thought you were going to be like, because he's so short that he can't see above the desk. Or Why something? are you so determined to think I'm saying offensive things I in this don't episode? Know. But no. like, for so, I, yeah, I, yeah. No, Flitwick's chill. Like, if they're if they're trying the spells, then he's like, nah. yeah, I guess. But also all the other students like I get that their ears are filled with a buzzing so that they can't hear but again it must be very obvious every time they turn around that the three of them are like yeah and you can't hear them yeah exactly like what if someone purposely tries to eavesdrop they must realize the spell has been cast yeah lavender starts crying because ron touches hermione and it turns out Ron and Lavender broke up. Love, love. I can't believe Ron and Hermione didn't stay up, by the way, to wait till Harry got back. Like, he was on an important mission. Yeah. And they he only had, like, two hours of potion. And clearly at, like, half midnight, they were like, be done with the waiting for him. Should we just go to bed? To be fair, by the time he got done with Dumbledore, it must have been so it must late. must have been two or three Maybe in the morning. Maybe they did try and stay up. And then they were like, well, he's dead. Yeah, literally, that's the thing. They don't raise the alarm. They don't seem concerned. Yeah. It's like, they're like, oh, he like went into the grounds to go to a, the funeral of a massive murderous spider and, and he's he not come back. And he never come back. I'm going to bed. Literally. Do you think they fell asleep in the common room waiting for him and Harry was just like, I'm not going to wake them up? Or did they literally just both go, oh, do you know what? It's Harry. He'll be fine. Let's just go to bed. Yeah. The second one. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, Harry doesn't know that Lavender is crying because Ron and Lavender broke up last night after seeing Ron and Hermione on the stairs. And Harry's like, well, you're pleased, right? And Ron's like, it was pretty horrible while she was yelling at me. I'm like, this is the least you deserve, sir. Yeah. You're a piece of trash who made her break up with you. You deserve to be screamed at for half an hour, if not more. You deserve to be screamed at for 24 hours. Yes. He deserves, I hope that Parvati slapped him round the face. Yes. Turns out Ginny and Dean split up too. It is not the day for romance, as Mm. Hermione says. This does, this feels accurate in that, like, I swear breakups come in waves. You're right about that. In school, they definitely did. Yeah. And and I think in adult life as well. Mm, I'm not so sure about in adult life. I haven't noticed that, but definitely in school. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like I definitely have. Like, they come in waves, and especially like with celebrities, like celebrity deaths. Now, celebrity deaths do come in threes. Yeah, they definitely do. It's always scary. Yeah. So in this lesson, they're learning how to turn vinegar into wine. That's transfiguration. Oh, okay. In the next one then. But do you have no, a no, point no, 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 no. That is the point. That's transfiguration. If you're turning vinegar into wine, that's transfiguration. Why are they learning it in charms? Oh, I was confused by what you No, I'm you were just saying. really angry about the lesson. I mean, I'm, I'm really angry. I'm angry about the lesson because this is really irresponsible. Why are you teaching underage students yeah most of them are how to it's make... just harry it's just harry <laughs> no but they're still students like 
very important for them to be fully functional alcoholics. But also, like, just because they become an adult at 17 doesn't mean that that is the legal drinking age. Well, I think the Wizarding World has even more lax drinking laws because I'm pretty sure Butterbeer is alcoholic. Yeah. But still, it, it's an irresponsible thing in school to be like, this is how you turn one liquid into alcohol. I mean... On one hand, yes. On the other hand, I do believe in, like, not totally banning things because it makes people become more of a frenzy with them and having, like, actual lessons around things makes people be more chill around slightly uh, dangerous or adult substances. No, I, I, like, don't get me wrong, I agree because, like, I didn't drink until I was 20 and my parents were, like, because my parents were really chill. But, like, there's a difference between, like, treat, like having open conversations about alcohol and, like, positive attitudes and, like, education about ad- alcohol mm. and being like, here's how to create moonshine out of vinegar. Like, But you also, know? you are transfiguring vinegar into wine. Why is it the charms lesson? Who knows? Who knows? I know it's wrong. I'm angry. It's almost like JK put no effort into creating her magical systems. Just gave up at this point. So they have a conversation about Ginny and Dean breaking up and Harry's like, Hermione was grinning at me, but she could not possibly know. Oh, Harry. Oh, Harry. Harry, it's so blindingly obvious. Harry, Hermione is known longer than you've known. I love how Hermione never brings it up with him. Like she's just like, I've never I'm gonna wait till he mentions it. I'm just gonna sit here all smug. Like I'm not gonna say anything. Yeah. Harry then has a battle inside his own head about Ginny and Ron. He like has a whole conversation with himself where he's like, It's his sister, but he might be okay with it. It's his sister. Oh, but if you just talk to him, which like comes down to the crux of this chapter, which I hate. A yeah, you think Ginny might fancy you, which, like, fair enough, she's giving signs too, but you don't actually know that. And B, it really annoys me that, like, skipping to the end of this chapter, like, he's got, like, Ron's nod of approval. Because from Ron's perspective, I wouldn't be... I can see why the dating might be annoying, but at the end of the day, Harry's the person he loves and trusts most, so it's it's nice that he's with Ginny. But it's the fact that Harry never tells him he has a crush on Ginny, mm. never has that conversation with him, that would annoy me more. Oh, it's yeah. like that betrayal of trust of not telling him. Yeah, no, for sure. Like, but God forbid that boys have a conversation about their emotions. <laughs> Like even with Hermione, Harry's like I can't even I can't even talk about it to her. Yeah, right. and she, she doesn't know. She I'm doesn't, so mysterious. She would never understand. She's so smug. He says that later. She's too smug to understand. Yeah. Very mean. Mm-hmm. Katie Bell's back. Yay! And Dean's a selfish arsehole about it. Hold on, I feel really sorry for Dean. He no, he apparently takes it really well. No, no, no. But then him and Seamus start to slag off Harry behind his back. Yeah, that's a bit mean. But Dean's had a bad day. This is a bad day to find out. No, he has. Like, this is a really rough time for him. But, like, you shouldn't be like, oh, for fuck's sake, like, like Katie's back. Like, Harry's such an asshole for, like, giving her her position back that she's held for years. Like, yeah, no, they shouldn't slag off Harry. I understand that Dean's having a very bad day to have your, what, 10, 11-month relationship breakdown and then be kicked off the sports team is not a good day for you. It's also, like, really convenient timing for Harry that, like, he was going to have to worry about Ginny and Dean being on the same team and now, like, that's a non-issue very 
temporarily yeah <laughs> very temporarily i love that harry doesn't even ask katie if she wants to be back on the team so he's like oh you're back and then immediately launches into like well you know when we're at training this tuesday it's like katie might not want to like yeah. i believe katie does want to come back to quidditch because it's katie and she loves quidditch and she her limelight got stolen for being such a young quidditch player by harry getting in in first year because she was only 12 when she got in but like she might not want to be come back to quidditch yet she might not be ready yeah like there's a difference between being well enough to like attend classes and being well enough to like participate in extreme sport she also i'm sorry shouldn't be back at school in general because she left midway through the first term i can't remember exactly is it before or after christmas i don't remember but it's a long time ago and it is now mid to late may and bear in mind i think we know that the seventh years take exams at the middle of june she's in her seventh year there is no way she's going to be able to take her end of year exam she's clearly going to have to drop down a year and probably the seventh years are now just in like study repeating period I don't really get why she comes back. Like, I get her wanting to spend another month with her friends, but I don't believe she can graduate. Like, I don't believe she's going to pass her exams. No, no, unless they, like, didn't make her take exams and said she got, like, predicted grades. Possibly, yeah. But she missed so much of school, it would be difficult to even do that. They just have to do it off her sixth year grades. Mm. I don't know. Like, we have no idea and it doesn't really matter but i'm just kind of like yeah you're not ready to take the exams like it's very sad but i I don't understand how you would be yeah so harry wants to get to use the felix felicis to get into the room of requirement and hermione's like it's a waste which like (sighs) i don't know if i agree with because I can see how you potentially could get lucky in guessing the correct thing. Yeah, yeah. Because especially if you look at this day, say that right at this moment he had taken Felix Felicis and then he had the exact same day. By the end of this day, he does get into the right room, technically. Or you could get lucky in the sense, because presumably if you arrived at the room under the invisibility cloak at the exact time Draco enters, you could sneak in behind him, right? So that could be the luck. Exactly. Like, I'm not sure I agree with Hermione here, but then this opens up like a relatively small plot hole because Harry, Ron is then like, oh, like, could you not just make some more? So Harry looks it up and it takes six months to make, which begs the question, how did Slughorn have an entire, like, cauldron's worth of it ready for the start of term when he only had a few weeks' notice? Just He just constantly has it ready to go. He's got a go bag of that. Even though he says you're not supposed to take it that often. Yeah. And he's only done it a few times in his life. He apparently has a massive cauldron off it. Also, what is he doing with it? Because he gives one vial to Harry. What the hell happens to the rest of the bloody cauldron? He's just been having a really good time all year. Yeah, Yeah, no, that's a good point. And And also, like, yeah, because surely he should be like, hey, Dumbledore, I've got a fucking cauldron of this. Like, do you you need it for, like, you know, should you redistribute? distribute this to the order of the phoenix i know slughorn's not really good guy so we'll probably be selfish with it he probably does have stocks for like if he thinks the death eaters are coming for him it is also madness right i understand it takes six months to brew and it's a difficult potion to brew but there are there is snape and slughorn now on the good side it is madness that they are not making stocks of this on either side to take because yes at the end of this book harry makes 
the entire remaining remainder of the DA that fights take a swig of it and they say that's why they think they survived spells were dodging them but why are neither the death eaters or the good side yeah but have you this lends into a theory which we've been asked about and i've seen online a lot about and we're not going to get to for real for a while but i may as well bring it up now just to plant it in our brains there is an extremely uh strong theory online that when they go to the hogshead in book seven um and sneak you know, sneak through the pub with Aberforth and Aberforth gives them food. Aberforth has laced all the food and drink with Lucky Potion because it's brought up multiple times through the battle that Harry, Ron and Hermione just avoid things. Spells don't hit them. Mm. They duck in the right time. When the ceiling caves in, Fred dies, but they're not even injured really yeah. like there's all these instances and obviously like Aberforth is like again a slightly morally grey character on how much he wants to help but actually he laced that food mm. with lucky potion and, and I need to look into it properly but I do although I don't like fully believe it I like it a lot as a yeah. theory and I guess that could also explain where this batch of potion did go if Slughorn was I do believe he'd keep some back for himself for, oh, in case God, of yeah. emergencies but say if he did have a full cauldron left maybe he gave it to Dumbledore and Dumbledore gave it to Aberforth so yeah potentially but I guess the thing is like again when you open this it's the exact same thing as the time turners Mm. where if you create like a lucky potion you are opening a can of worms that you then need to add some restriction in and I now can't remember what exactly was said about it in the lesson where it was introduced but I feel like there is some kind of implication that you shouldn't take it too much but it's, it's never like explained like why what would happen and it would be so easy to like write in one sentence to be like if you take it all the time then say it might decrease your luck whenever you're not taking it so you might become incredibly reliant on it like the more you take it the less lucky you are any other time that easy bum one sentence i would also love to see something about again this is going down like a darker route off to a different story the same way about like we've talked about how i would love to see something done with going back through memories but actually memories are unreliable but obviously luck can only get you so far luck does not alter like the actual if everything is stacked against you if everything is going going wrong so i'd love to see some sort of dark short story yeah where you take the lucky potion and you really think you're going to be fine and the person ends up dead at the end because like even if you have all the luck in the world everything could still go wrong obviously yeah Yeah. and like also the odds are too great yeah and also to explain why like people don't just take it all the time they could even like drop in a line about oh you need this like one particular ingredient for it that's so ridiculously expensive and rare yeah that like it's not a widely distributed thing again there's so many ways around and she just doesn't bother for some fucking reason yeah i get that not the average joe could make this because a it takes six months we know that b we know because it's an advanced potion making it is the same level of difficulty as the polyjuice potion which although hermione brewed in second year is established as extremely difficult to brew yeah but the thing is but that's no reason why the very advanced spell makers on both the dark side and the da and the order side are not brewing this. yeah or like even from like a commercial standpoint like you could have like a like essentially a factory making it Mm. and you could go into every pub and they would be like you know like importing in like the same way that you buy in beer or something like so there needs to be a thing to be like this is why people don't just drink it like they drink tea yeah hmm 
Anyway. Whilst he's talking about that, he notices Semper again in the book, which yep. will come important in like one page. Yes, but also, yeah, the point being, how did Slughorn have time to make it? That's a very good point. We then go back to like Quidditch chat and like we're moving through a few weeks and Harry is like almost getting more and more concerned about how much he likes Ginny, which is kind of cute to read about. He's like, now that Dean's not in the way, I love her and I think I'm going to die. But he's like, well, obviously I can't tell Ron because he might punch me. And I also can't tell Hermione because she seems so smug. I'm like, because she already knows. Just talk to her. Yeah. And also I'm like, I feel so frustrated for Hermione because Hermione would, one, love the gossip and two, would love to help him out with this. Like, and as well, like, Ginny has probably, like, confided her feelings to Hermione. She 100% has. Probably if Harry said yo, Hermione, I've got feelings for Ginny. She'd be like, sick, she likes you too. But Stop Harry's just being... too stubborn. Exactly. And even if she didn't know that Ginny like, liked him back or didn't want to like tell Ginny's secret, I feel like Hermione would love nothing more than to sit down with him and be like, so this is the plan. This is what we're going to do. And the... I'm going to talk to Ron and like scope out like how he might feel. Yeah, this and, like... is the thing. Hermione is the perfect person to scope out how Ron could feel about it. If Harry actually confided in her, he could be like, could you help me? But I don't want help with the Ginny thing. What I want you to do is just start to feel out how Ron would feel about it. Hermione would be the perfect person to do that. Yeah, and the thing is, because like I know that you love like Ron and Hermione, but I don't really, especially because like we don't really get to see enough of them being really good together because mm. Harry is such like a self-absorbed oh, like narrator. Um, but what I like love to imagine is like in this is it so obvious that Harry likes Ginny like he's going all like red faced and blushing like every time she's around it literally says in this section Harry noticed Hermione looking smug every time he stared at Ginny I'm like well then stop staring at her you freak so I like to think that it is so obvious and that like actually like it's become like an in running joke with Hermione and Ron where they're both just like I can't believe he's not said anything and he doesn't realise we know and like they like have some kind of like obviously not drinking game but like a thing of like nudging each other or like a look whenever they're like oh he's staring again and like it's just just like an open thing with them both that they're like when's he gonna do something or when's he gonna try and tell us like and they're literally and they're like does he realize or does he not realize yeah, and they're just really openly like and this is like what they're like bonding about and sharing it in joke and like the romance is there because we don't get to see that no we and don't. that's the only way i can like ron and hermione together is to imagine these moments I think that's why I've always liked them, like, to look at the wider picture is because there are so many moments where they are alone and they have such a unique bond in being Harry's best friend. But also, like, he goes to Quidditch, he's got this private lesson with Dumbledore, la 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 There's so many... And also, they're the only two people that he tells his secrets to. So there's so much they can only talk to each other about. So, yeah, I do imagine both these, like, deep chats and them being like oh god you know our families might die because we're friends with Harry but also like oh my god would Harry like stop drooling when Ginny walks in the room like what the fuck is wrong with him like he's literally dribble oh god he's humping the armchair again because Ginny just walked in it's the way even Harry describes himself as staring I'd fully imagine him being like yeah (laughs) (laughs) but yeah I can see it too I think but there's a lot left unsaid in Harry Potter, but also I find it frustrating both with Harry and Ginny and Ron and Hermione, like the two key couples, that we never 
never get any time of them being together. Like, yeah. Harry and Ginny do get together and then break up, I believe, two, three chapters later and ha- mm, never get back together in the book's immediate timeline. Ron and Hermione have many, many moments, but we never see them as a couple because they get together on the canonical last day of the main timeline. So, like, she never gives us that actual realistic vibe of what it would be like really for either of them Harry and Ron also have a conversation where like basically internally Harry is worried if he doesn't ask out Ginny soon someone else will but then he agrees with Ron that Ginny is too popular for her own good I dislike men I think Harry's the worst and doesn't deserve Ginny Oh, definitely not. Get he out. deserves film Ginny. Yeah. Maybe Hermione and Ginny should just be together and dump the boys. Oh, absolutely. They could sort everything in like 10 minutes. Yeah. The Quidditch game is wide open for reasons that the points probably make sense, but I haven't bothered to work it out. Apparently, they could either win or lose the entire tournament based on like a 600-point uh, margin. Just really makes sense. I haven't worked it out. Sure. Whatever. Sure. If you're going to add that much drama to it to then not have Harry in the game, I'm just like, I don't fucking care. Like, yeah. you didn't write Harry playing a single game of Quidditch in this book, so I don't care. Yeah. Harry's walking to dinner alone because Hermione has run off to Professor Vector and Ron has run off to throw up because of nerves. But this in particular is where... Do you remember there was like a very strong theory in between book six and book seven that Ron and Hermione were actually together from this point onwards? But they weren't telling Harry because he had like so much going on with his life and like the evidence was like that they both kept like running off to do things and obviously Harry is very just friends. so inobservant. It's very Monica and Chandler. It's very Monica and Chandler. Gonna and go also, do their laundry. <laughs> exactly. But also fits with Harry's personality that he would just never fucking oh, notice. No. no. They wouldn't even like they literally could have said to him Harry we're gonna go have sex and he'd be like mm-hmm, oh Ginny quidditch (laughs) so yeah like i see where the theory comes from and honestly it holds water like yeah because there's so many bits in this chapter of them being like and hermione was smiling at ron and ron was nudging hermione and it's just like okay harry detours by the room of requirement on his way to dinner but checks the map and actually notices malfoy is in the bathroom on the floor below with moaning myrtle so it's like okay i'll go stalk him there so what's down Leans on the door. Weird thing to do. Imagine if Draco was just having like, like extreme diarrhea. Yeah, just like and Myrtle's non-stop just shit because she's a nosy cow. Yeah, like and Harry just walks in like, oh, I'm finally gonna find out what's going on, and it's literally just Draco has actually developed IBS in sixth year. Oh yeah, 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 from the stress. Yeah, and that's also why he apparently looks so skinny. Hey, just shitting out his nutrients, shitting it all out. So yeah, he leans on the door, can't hear anything. So then like nudges his way in and is like shocked into not being able to move because Malfoy is crying over the sink. So shocking that a man would uh, do a healthy explay of emotions. I mean, I suppose it's shocking for Harry because he's never seen Draco specifically No, but also knowing how Harry is and how his like attitude towards crying is throughout the series. I always read this as just like he's shocked that he's crying at all. Yeah. But Malfoy is also saying, I can't do it. I can't finish it, but he's going to kill me. He's going to kill me if I don't do it. Which like, ouch. It's ouch. Yeah. So Malfoy looks up, 
spots Harry through the mirror and I was trying to like work through each step of this to see like I know Harry is so much to blame for what he does but also to work through the steps of what happened in the moment in the heat so Malfoy immediately upon spotting Harry without Harry saying anything draws his wand and begins to cast a spell so Harry obviously has to draw his wand in defense my note was Draco attack he does Draco attacks they're both trying to jinx each other and the spells are missing or being blocked or rebounded and harry is using um like relatively friendly uh dual jinxes he's using the leg locker curse and levy corpus and other things that are gonna like stop malfoy being able to fire at him but not hurt him in any particular way and then Harry slips on the water in the floor because one spell breaks the toilet cistern so there's water like spurting everywhere which also is it gross water like that's disgusting actually Mm. is it like really grim water so there's water spurting everywhere Harry I never realised this until this gross gross reading I always thought Harry was on his feet but Harry actually slips over and is on the floor as Draco starts to yell Crucio so Harry well we don't know that he goes he could have been going Crouton and just <clears throat> firing croutons at him. Well, it would have to be the Latin for crouton. <laughs> well, maybe not. <laughs> maybe it's magic appreciates the need for croutons in any language. I appreciate the need for croutons at all times. Exactly. I love a crouton. But yeah, it's croon. So Harry yells, Sectum Sempra. Malfoy starts to bleed from a like a sword slash across his face and slash across his chest so obviously harry is like (coughs) no 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 uh how is the spell by legal definition forgivable well because no one knows about it the government doesn't know about it it's snape's own invention and he's never told anyone i don't know because i feel like it's implied that the rest of his like inventions spread throughout society you know, like the lifting people up one mm. and stuff like that. And even don't other mm. people at some point use Muffliato, but maybe not. But like, I feel like, you know, you might invent it, but like, but you know. who would copy it apart from other Death Eaters? Well, like, but then how did the other unforgivable spells, like, Well, you yeah, know? but that's a relatively shorter time period because Snape, we've got to remember, is only like 37, 38 yes i know but then there's also like there's there's gonna be other spells like this it's not just going to be that snape like it's it's more of like a question to point out like the general illogicness behind the unforgivable spells but i think also what we've got to remember is unforgivable actually what moody says is you go to azkaban without a sentence for the rest of your life so presumably there's a whole host of other spells which get you a trial you might go in for 20 years but then you're let out but then it's actually more fair you should not be going to like azkaban without a trial (laughs) yeah but i don't get how this is apparently like not as bad as crucio like it doesn't kill draco lives only because snake runs in it like it probably would have killed him with the blood loss yeah. and it's like well it's... it chops off george's ear yeah and like and so surely it could have like one tortured and two killed him so surely it's worse actually i assume the government just don't know about it has always been my assumption but yeah like i can buy them not knowing about this specific one but there would but be other madness. spells like yeah. this yeah i think it's madness that there are only three unforgivable curses when like we know that 
Okay, so what is the spell to create a Horcrux? You're telling me that's not unforgivable? Exactly. Yeah. exactly. And also, whatever fucking spell Voldemort made up to turn, and I do fully believe it, Bertha Jorkin's yeah. unborn baby into his own form, like... Yeah, exactly. Jail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Harry runs over and falls to his knees beside Draco and is just, he's in complete shock. He he didn't expect this to happen. He doesn't know what he's done. He doesn't know what to do. He doesn't even try to like stop the bleeding because he's just, he's in shock. Yeah. Myrtle starts to scream, murder, murder. She's loving it. She's loving she's it. She's living she's for the drama. She's in her element. Even though she likes Draco, she's like, yeah. death. Snape. <laughs> But from the way it's written, it's like she yells murder and Snape immediately runs so in. So I questioned how Snape was there this far. I'd like to think that he genuinely was like walking past, like eating a sandwich or something and like heard murder. And like Me. it was literally just the coincidence of the I, century. I mean, he's so close. I'm like, was he trying to find Draco to have a word with him about something? But how would it's... he have known he was there? I guess well, maybe... no, he knows he hangs out around the room of requirement. He knows that. Mm. So then he's in the area and then hears murder, murder in the bathroom. Mm. But it's very coincidental that the only person that can reverse this spell, well, not the only, but one of the only people that can reverse this spell because it's a spell of his own making, is there. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I just, Harry, you're so dumb. I just, like, okay, one, it's a dumb thing because someone is firing Crucio at you because you don't know that the spell that you are doing is going to help that situation in any way. Like, yeah, sure, it says for enemies, but that could mean any number of things. Four enemies could have meant that, like, it turned their skin blue, that it made them look like an avatar from Avatar. Like... That's something you would want to do to an enemy. Yeah. Like, it doesn't necessarily mean that this would actually do anything to, like, stop someone yelling Crucio at you. Whereas he does know a bunch of spells that would have, like, definitely helped. So why would you yell that? It is, like, a stupid thing to, like, defend yourself with a spell that you don't know what's going to do. Let alone it's also just a stupid thing to use a spell that you don't know what it's going to do. And I also... I mean, I say I find it shocking. I don't because we know that Hogwarts is like a terrible school. But like, I find it really like just they should have had like a first year before they even learn any spells. And then they should have had like yearly like kind of catch up sessions like a like how we had like a PSHE, like like a session to be like, hey, like don't do a spell if you don't know what it's going to do. Yeah. Don't befriend like a book that's writing to you and you don't see where the brain is and things like that like it should have been like first day of term shit and then there should have been yearly like oh as a reminder yeah the thing is i obviously hate this from the point of view of having to read it and and having to read what harry did and his emotions and and all of it I, what I hate more is actually the second half of this chapter and how quickly he gets over it because I think this is a really powerful turning point from Harry and the book should have made more of a deal about oh, yeah. it. I think that this is truly the moment. I think the best example of it is later in the chapter when he says to Hermione, you know I would never do a spell like this even against Malfoy. I think that's a very powerful line because from this moment onwards, Harry never casts anything more than like... Um, Expelling armor, stupefy, all the spells we know that can stop you but do not 
hurt you he never causes harm and that's part of like harry's core so i really love that he has this moment where he crosses his own line and is terrified by it but the book doesn't focus enough on his internal battle of doing that i think that could be so powerful like yes he hates malfoy but he realizes this is a line even though he knows he has to kill Voldemort, he might have to do the worst act once. This is not a line he's willing to cross with anyone other than Voldemort. Yeah, I completely agree. I think why I hate this so much, as well as it just being like an uncomfortable read and filling me with like secondhand guilt and anxiety, is the fact that like it's kind of just in there as a plot device mm. to get Harry and Ginny together. And that's, it's never, like, explored in any detail, especially because this chapter comes off the back of the last chapter, where literally Dumbledore has an extended conversation with Harry about how the difference between him and Voldemort and how Harry's special power is all about love and the fact that despite everything he's been through Mm. and despite his connection to Voldemort, he has never been remotely curious or attracted to the dark arts. Because this is such a huge thing that this happens directly after because Dumbledore praises him in that. And then in the next chapter, technically Harry has been tempted by the dark arts because he has formed this weird, like almost parasocial relationship with an anonymous person in a book who was a Death Eater and has been suckered into trying spells that Death Eaters use because he's formed this, like, relationship with this anonymous person and he is tempted into using dark magic. So Dumbledore's literally said to him, this is why you're different, this is your special power that is going to get you through and is going to make you win. You have never once been tempted because you love. And then in the next chapter, he is technically tempted and does some dark magic. And at no point do we get Harry's train of thought thinking fuck Dumbledore's wrong like I did this this is awful I was tempted I used dark magic maybe I don't have the power of love maybe I can't kill Voldemort because of this it's just not explored it's just used to get him and Ginny together or the fuck or even the opposite of like oh my god I'm so in the wrong this has shown me that Dumbledore's right this has shown me that I never ever and he does it ever so slightly the toe is dipped in with you know I would never use a spell like this but give me 300% more give me this being his turning point of being yes I have to do what I have to do to do the final act with Voldemort but I will not be swayed into dark magic before that like I don't I don't believe it's just to get him and Ginny together. I think the main plot device is for the twist at the end with uh, Snape all along and Snape and Harry's connection. So you're even more shocked at the end when Snape turns out to be good and things like that. But it's just, it's so close to being that. I don't hate it in its own right because I believe you can't have seven books where Harry's just the golden chosen one who only chooses the good spells. Yeah, give me a moment where he accidentally or not accidentally, he did kind of mean to do some dark shit. Good, give it to me. But then give me that internal monologue about why that terrifies him. Especially after the conversation he literally just had. Yeah. Like it's, yeah, it's really frustrating. Let's have a mid-episode break to talk about our affiliate sponsor for today. Yes. Wow, do you hate us? (laughs) Yeah. I uh, made Hannah smile earlier. I gave you a good chuckle because you opened what we have accidentally named our episode Moon Planner. (laughs) Neither of us know how we did this. (laughs) 
No, we have... Uh, basically, the thing that we're doing our affiliate sponsor for is Notion, which is um, really accurate because... I am so unhealthily obsessed with this and have gotten so many people in an unpaid capacity in my life to use it, including Hannah, um, that when Hannah told me we were going to do this, I was like, no, you need to set like an upper time limit. But anyway, <laughs> it's essentially like a organizational productivity piece of software that I use constantly for the podcast for my work for my personal life and because we use it to plan the podcast and have like our episode planner in that at one point one of us clearly accidentally clicked on the tab and then went to type something else somewhere else and just typed the word moon but neither of us could work out why we were typing the word moon in the first yes so now what was episode planner is now episode moon planner so the other day i went into it and i changed it so that the banner image is is a bunch of moons and then had I opened it earlier and was like oh it's moons because yeah we could just delete the word moon but we've grown really attached to it yeah it's we're very attached to the episode moon planner now so yeah essentially notion is a piece of organizational software that you can use for work for home life for studying if you're still in like studying phases like university or school um the, like I'm going to be honest when I'm talking about it when I first came to it I was overwhelmed because it is fully customizable. I was mm. used to pieces of organisational things like Monday and things like that that set everything yeah. out and then you just fill it in Notion is like completely customizable, but once you then like get used to it and the fun of getting used to it it's, like yeah. it's incredible it's so powerful. It's essentially Airtable meets Monday meets Trello on crack Yeah, and you can make it all cute and aesthetic as well and literally you can import playlists into it so you can have study playlist embedded into it yes and i literally am so obsessed with it to the point where yeah we run the entire podcast on it like literally everything i run all of my like businesses on it and i also like i've got like a plant tracker i've got like a meal planner i've got like a really smart system where basically i've got a list of all of my recipes and then that database connects to another database that lists all of the ingredients that go in those recipes and then that all links to another database which is the days of the week so essentially oh and that all links the ingredients linked to uh, what I've got in so I've got a really smart system where essentially I can like set what's in my cupboards so if I go out of stock I remove it if I buy it I add it and then I can go okay Monday I'm gonna have these meals from that list of meals that I have and then it automatically adds to my shopping list any ingredients that are in those meals that aren't in my cupboard so that I immediately have a categorized list of all of the food that I need to buy I think you do actually have problems. I know, I do. (laughs) Okay, you don't have to use it that intensely. No. Uh, Something that I'll be showing on screen now, the yearly reading trackers. (laughs) So I was really unhappy with um, Goodreads. I didn't give me enough information that I wanted because I'm a nerd about what I read and I wanted like a lot of different tags and a lot of different systems and things like that. So I created my own reading tracker in Notion um, that has all the categories I want and also counts up the word count of every book I read because like it's stupid when people are like I read 100 books this year yeah well what if you read them and you shouldn't be basing what you read in a year off words anyway but I just like to see for my own interest and there's a lot of data I like because I can track things like how much fiction versus non-fiction am I reading and different genres and how many female authors am I reading versus male authors and things like that um so yeah I love my reading trackers on my personal side on my work side uh my boss caught sight of my content tracker and made me do an an hour-long presentation to the team 
team on Notion. Really? Yeah, because she saw, she was like, that would be perfect for this client. And And isn't your uh, content tracker technically my content tracker? Yes, it is. Yeah, it's, well, it's an adapted version of yours. Because because we constantly send each other things and then we adapt it. This is the amazing thing is that you can duplicate and like send people templates and like some people even sell templates. So that's the thing. You find it really overwhelming. You can literally buy, like either buy or there's like loads of free templates out there. Oh yeah, so many of my templates are based on the free Notion ones and then I adapt them as I want yeah. them. So like, yeah, like the meal planning one I didn't actually make. I downloaded that from someone. My book tracker is Hannah's and like all of the time we'll text each other like, do you have a tracker that you use for this? And I'm like, oh yeah, like I'll send it over and yeah. like vice versa. So it is genuinely amazing. The amount of people in my real life that I have gotten to use Notion because I genuinely am just obsessed with it. Like even if you're not like a organizational person like it's just cute and fun even if you just use it for like notes like it's honestly yeah. and it's free Holland, this is the thing yeah we've so said all this, all this. It, it's literally free yeah it is free there is a paid version if you're on a bigger team so for the podcast because we're both sharing one and we need a lot of different resources we use a paid version but then but it's the, still so dirt cheap it's still dirt cheap but the standard version if you're a student or like anything where it's just you it's literally free and it's, it's not even like free and like really like limited it's no. literally like there are barely any limits like you, you the average up. person won't notice the limits like yeah. yeah so anyway like I we you probably actually you might remember that we've referenced this several times before because we've always meant to do like affiliate or spawn cons- uh, content for them because it's a natural thing for us it's not like we're like we're being paid to talk about this we would talk about it anyway yeah. <laughs> literally like and yeah i mean i mean if anyone wants to like tweet me or like chat to me in the discord about notion i will always talk about it i'm literally like so obsessed with it anyway more importantly if you are going to download it or look into it which please do um please use the link which will be in the bio but which is affiliate dot notion dot so slash goblet of wine for full disclosure that will give us a kickback in you downloading notion but that is a good thing because it helps us run this podcast and it won't cost you anything no you will not be charged anything but notion count it up and give us a kickback but we're going to do affiliates more often now because it will only benefit you guys in us being able to run the podcast at the level we want to run it at so affiliates do not take anything away from you they just yeah so the link will be in the description but it's affiliate.notion.so slash goblet of wine no i'm genuinely so happy that i just got to talk about notion for a bit we can do it as often as we want we honestly should because it's we're back um we're drinking because you can see it's changed um a different alcohol because as lovely as that one was it was very strong it was four shots and it's dangerous for us to drink another one this was one of the ones we've been kindly gifted recently if you're following our instagram stories we've had a few lovely gifts so yeah we don't have to be nice about it it's just a gift but um that's it it's what is it Beeble, it is a made in Britain because I've reached out to exclusively British uh small brands it's a honey whiskey Mm. I like it. I'm not paid to say that. <laughs> so I found whiskeys interesting because I hated them until the last couple of years. Neil adores them. He is one of those dickheads who's a bit of a whiskey connoisseur. So I have been drinking them more because of him because he's brought me to whiskey tastings mm. and I try all of his. And I've now started to learn what I do and don't like and the sweetness of the honey in this makes me like yeah. it. That's the thing because so I like whiskey when it's like in things which I know is like mm-hmm. but like I don't care whiskey and coke like JD and coke yeah, yeah love it like literally the 
thing that I first started drinking was either Disarano and Coke or JD, JD and Coke. Yeah. Before anyone's like, Disarano is not whiskey. That wasn't what I meant. I meant whiskey was one of the two things that I first started uh, drinking. Hannah's currently sitting back down because the battery ran out. Um, but anyway, yeah. So like, I like whiskey when it's mixed in things, but I always find that like i like the flavor of whiskey but like the feeling when it hits the back of your throat it's and quite it aggressive burns yeah. is like really really aggressive when drinking it straight and as someone coming down with it got a sore throat i was like oh god whiskey oh, but no and obviously like honey is good for your throat anyway but genuinely the, the like honey in this takes out that throat burn yeah so like I don't know I feel like I can this is the thing I like it but I feel like I can taste something in it and, that, and that's bothering me like what I'm tasting it is more whiskey I was actually expecting it to be more honeyish. it is more whiskyish than I was expecting which is quite cool I want Neil to try it because he mm. was like oh no it's honey I don't want you but I actually think he'd like it yeah yeah as we both quite like it we'll link this as well they're a British independent brand which if we're gonna talk about alcohol mm. that's what we'd prefer to talk about yeah like as, if I was going to drink whiskey, I'd drink this. But yeah, I can see myself drinking this while reading, you know, fairy porn. <laughs> I'm so sophisticated. Got my honey whiskey and my uh, fairy porn. Let me read about Cassian's cock. Mm. Um, moving on <laughs> to Harry's cock. No, I love it when you say the filth. Oh no! I hope the audio heard that. I think that's the first time we've had Misu on audio. Yeah. Misu, if you get up, it's the first time you're on video. Misu! 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 Come on, you know you want the people to see you. Misu! Let the people see you. Misu, I've got chorizo. He's like, I'm intrigued. Everyone, this is Misu. He's so big. I want a big boy. I want a big boy. I want a big boy. He weighs boy. Uh, eight to nine kilos. Um, people think I'm joking about that, but now you can see him. Mm-hmm. He's not overweight. He just is large. He's like, why the fuck have you put a plant here? Yeah. What is going on? He's sniffing the pothos. Go on, settle. Good boy. Oh my God, he's so sweet. Hi. He hates me. He does. He's confused at what we're doing. He is, yeah. You think he would know by now. You want to smell? You want some whiskey? Todd loves alcohol. Obviously, I do not let Todd have alcohol. But if I have, like, a can of beer and it's got, like, a tight... You know, when it's, like, on the rim, yeah. he'll, like, he'll like run to, like... <laughs> and I'm like, Todd, what is wrong with you? Or if I have, like, even an empty can with nothing in it and nothing around the rim, he'll start licking around the rim just for the remnants of the taste. Your cat is just a bin rat. Yeah, and then the other day, um, my friend came to visit and we were, like, having wines. That Okay, that plant's really poisonous. Okay, no baby. That's no why baby. it's normally on a high shelf. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, and then he was trying... <laughs> Thanks for that. Rude. Great audio. And then he was trying to drink our wine. Aww. Elle was literally like, what the fuck is wrong with your cat? He's trying to drink the wine. And I was like, he really loves the booze. He does. You've got an alcoholic cat. I think I've been a bad influence on him. Aww. Yeah. I do not let him drink. (laughs) So, Myrtle screaming, Harry's in complete shock, Snape hears the cries of murder, murder in the bathroom, and comes running in and starts knitting, like, Malfoy's skin back together. Like, literally. Like, he actually gets out some knitting Knitting needles. needles And he's like... (laughs) Yeah, he performs the counter curse. 
And he then drags Draco to his feet and says, like, hospital wing, Harry, like, Potter, wait here. And Harry's in such shock, he doesn't even think to disobey. He's like, cool, okay, and just stands there for 10 minutes. And when Snape... It's really lucky no one else comes in to use the toilet. Yeah, right? Could you imagine just some first year walks in like, la, 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 la. And then there's just like, Harry covered in blood, water, blood everywhere. And the first year is like, Ooh. Yeah, especially because it's like lunch or dinner time, isn't it? Yeah. You'd think the students would be, I suppose they're all on the lower floors. Yeah. So. But yeah, really lucky. <laughs> so Snape comes back and he asks where on earth Harry learnt that spell. And Harry obviously lies. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, I just, the idea of in the like 10 minutes or so that Snape was gone, like thinking about that anxiety, like, you know, when you're like waiting for something. Oh, God, yeah. Like, and, oh, like, I don't know. I think the best example I've ever experienced was when, like, we all had pretty much worked out within an hour of like going from just oh it's another monday blah 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 to suddenly we all worked out that we were about to get made redundant yeah because they'd put in a meeting and we all just somehow like we just knew yeah and we'd kind of worked it out even though there was no warning until that morning and then waiting for that meeting for like an hour and like just feeling like sick to my fucking stomach with anxiety i think that's probably the closest thing i've ever had to this so like i just can't imagine like harry just stood there for 10 minutes just the guilt and the anxiety no yeah it would have been awful like yeah the guilt just eating him alive so yeah harry lies about where he got it and then harry in a rare moment of clarity especially with legitimacy specifically bearing in mind multiple times he's been like it's like snape and dumbledore can read, read my mind after he's learned about legitimacy realizes that snape is going to perform legitimacy on him and tries to block it out but because he is so panicked can't so yeah the image of advanced potion making literally swims to the forefront of yes. his mind I think this might be another tiny little plot hole here. I'm so sorry. I slammed that right against the mic. Bitch. Because there's been times before that Snape's threatened him with Veritaserum. Mm. Why didn't he just do the Gillimans? I suppose it's... He never was actually going to do it to Harry. Like, the thing is, loads of the threats Snape give aren't real to Harry. He's just trying to scare him. But if he's trying to scare him, he, he should have just from, like, day two been like, by the way... I can read minds. I can read minds. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, I suppose he just always keeps that back. Yeah. But yeah, it's just a bit of a, you know, if he did actually ever want to know the truth, like he doesn't have to veritas serum, Harry. Just read his mind. I mean, I suppose we're told again and again that legitimate is what's on the forefront of your mind. So with veritas serum, you could ask a question that someone hasn't thought about in years. No, but hasn't it been before, like when he thought that he stole the um, gillyweed? And but Harry then thinks about the fact like he's like oh yeah i didn't steal the giddyweed but i did steal the other ingredients that one time no i know but exactly but like because that's i think when snape threatens him with the veritas serum yeah so like if he's gonna say yo i think you stole this if anything ever goes missing again i'll veritas serum you then surely he could have just been like yo i think you stole this because then that would make harry if because he thinks that he did so it would make Harry think about, yes, I did steal the gillyweed mm. and then he could do legitimates. I always thought when he's threatening him with Veritaserum isn't actually to find out stuff for real. It's just to scare Harry into being less of a But dick. then he could be like, yo, Harry, 
I think you stole the gillyweed. And if you do it again, by the way, I can read minds. I can read minds. You know? Yeah. It's a bit like, yeah. So obviously, yeah, Harry dobs himself in. And I like the fact he realises Snape can do legitimacy. It's just this rare moment where Harry is not dumb. So Snape's like, go and get all your school books now. It's really good thinking on his feet from Harry here. Very. I still think he took longer than it would take to get your school books with the amount he has to do. But yeah, it's very fast thinking. Yeah. And like, as, yeah, if I was like that anxious and stuff, there's no way I would. Yeah, that panic fog that you get, there's no way I could think this clearly. But that's, it, it fits quite well with Harry's character because unlike Hermione, who has proven again and again that she loses her head in a panic, Harry and Ron are especially harry is very good at keeping his head in a panic it's what makes him good in all the stressful situations he's in so it does fit with his character he does however think to himself like would he confiscate a book that had become kind of a guide or a friend fucking loser yeah it's so yeah he's told me (laughs) i am kidding by the way yeah he literally says i don't want to get the book confiscated or destroyed because he might still want it which no, you should be questioning what on earth the book has done to you. Yeah. And um, he also is worried that Snape will tell Snug- Slughorn and Slughorn will realise he's... Snug- Snugglehorn. Snugglehorn. <laughs> Slughorn will realise... Change approved. <laughs> Snugglehorn will realise he's not amazing at potions. I'm like, that is so far from the list of things you should be worried about right now. Yeah. Especially because you've got the memory. Why do you care now if you just fall back to average at potions? Yes. And I also stand by that surely a lot of these things aren't like fully different recipes, just different techniques. Like, you know, not cutting the thing but crushing the thing so surely you have learnt techniques now yeah that you could remember exactly it's just so low down the list of pros the thing is I understand it from the perspective of a panicked brain can throw out really random things at you because sometimes Mm. when I am like in that hyper panic situation I'm like why am I thinking that because your brain is just working so fast so I get it from that perspective so luckily Harry runs into Ron on the stairs and says (laughs) Harry runs into Ron (laughs) runs into Ron you know uh, you know just after he was thinking about Snugglehorn Snugglehorn that's that is that last drink it was very strong um and he's like give me your book give me your potions book gets it off him runs to his dormitory gets his book bag then runs to the room of requirements a lot of running around okay so as he's much a runner, as he's a track, track star. star as much as you hate this chapter and i totally understand that this chapter wins points for me for how cool the concept of the room oh, of yeah. lost things is as one of the rooms of requirement. Oh, yeah. and oh also, my god. It's one of the coolest concepts she's ever come up with. Yes. And also I do love at the end of the chapter the Harry Ginny kiss. Yeah. So I guess it might be more accurate to say that I hate that scene. That's fair enough. Yeah. But like definitely it like massively tarnishes what should be a really cool chapter. Yeah, because yeah, to talk about this room it's described as a a city as big as a cathedral on the inside and literally alleyways and streets are made up by the rest of the room being discarded oh my god i just adore it my note was fantastic i want to hang out here like could you imagine having like a day even a fucking weekend it'd be like the best antiquing or charity shopping like just going through like exploring pulling a pile 
apart stacks of things. You would think find things that were hundreds, if not thousands, thousands of years, years old. old. And you magical would... things. And magic that's probably been lost. There's probably yeah. magic here and, and things that don't exist I, anymore. I, I know that Harry has like no curiosity, but I don't understand how he never goes back just to look at things. A hundred percent. Like I understand right now he has to get out as fast yeah. as possible, but go back. Yeah. And like, okay, one of the things I love about it is the fact that there's this almost concept of everyone who's been here I kind of feel like everyone who's been here is like Voldemort and thought they're the first person and I I love that but what infuriates me and I know we'll talk about it like at the time but the notion that Voldemort went into this room full of things and was like well I'm I'm clearly the first no evidence of anyone else going here I I don't know what these cities hide full of things they just materialised here that that sentence particularly upset me Sue Uh, my other thing was (laughs) I will say Sue is Voldemort the film messed the scene up where Harry hides it so badly which we'll get on to the main reason for why in a minute but what the film did fantastically with this room especially in film seven and I'm because I watched some of the behind the scenes stuff of when that film came out they actually used all the old props they had from all the films and went well we'll just make the junk out of that so yeah. there are the chess pieces from the chessboard lying around and all this other stuff that you've seen in the background of other films mm. shoved into this room brilliant what a brilliant way to fill out the room that if you pause it you might spot a chess piece from film one fantastic but also they messed up the scene so badly in this film i want to kill someone like yeah how dare you yeah how dare you harry as he's running through like calls out like kind of in the text like several things that he sees yeah and i really believe that a lot of these things aren't just like obviously some of them are just like in there but i do think that there's several of these things are like in there intentionally there's an obvious one obviously of the fucking tiara but there's another one that on this reading really caught my eye do you know which one the vanishing cabinet nope a blood-stained axe and i don't know Ooh, why i didn't even notice that my brain made this connection on this reading mm. and obviously i could be completely wrong but i've just made my own head canon now that this is the axe that was used to almost behead nearly headless nick and then that made me think oh see i just thought something completely different what because the tiara's in there was it the weapon that the bloody baron used to kill helena Ravenclaw? it could also be that but so i then was like actually i've never like looked up like the origin of like nearly headless nick so i decided to look it up my god she's done research for this episode someone call the goblet of wine please i know right but yeah I want to read it just because I found it like whimsical and amusing. So, Sir Nicholas met Lady Grieve while strolling in uh, in the park on the eve of 30th of October, 1492. He was certain he could straighten her crooked teeth, but his attempt to do so backfired, causing her to grow a tusk. Sir Nicholas was immediately taken into custody and sentenced to death as a result of the mistake. Before being locked in a dungeon, his wand was taken from him, thus preventing him from using magic to escape. Throughout the night, he cried that he would soon undo the damage done to Lady Grieve. A priest came to Sir Nicholas's cell to comfort him and escort him to the execution site at dawn the following day. He became a gibbering wreck when the executioner told him to kneel before the block. However, the executioner's axe was blunt, as the grindstone used to sharpen it had been misplaced. Thus, it took 45 hacks to kill Sir Nicholas, and then, even then his head was only partially severed. 
Naturally, these acts of betrayal and idiocy alone were not enough to condemn Sir Nicholas to such a brutal death, but the rampant <laughs> acts of previous juvenile encounters led to an unsympathetic public. So essentially, he was a really posh guy that went around like doing a load of like really dumb shit, a bit like Lockhart. So eventually got sentenced to death because of it. That fits with his character. Oh, Nick. It does. And makes sense why he'd want to come back as a ghost to repent for those stupid acts he did. Yeah, but yeah, like, I just, to me now, that axe is the axe that was used. I like that. I like that a lot. I didn't even notice the mention of a bloody axe. I was quite focused on, I, um, I never have, on the vanishing cabinet. I never have before, so I don't know why it stuck out to me this time but mm, it I did like that. that's and the point of doing this that's now my head cannon. i like it but yeah the broken vanishing cabinet is pointed out so we know that this is the room that draco's been using the whole time we'll, we'll learn that at the end of the book and then one of my favorite parts of all of the books harry's like i found the place to hide the book it's a random cupboard and then he's like oh will i find it again i don't know i've never been in this room before so he grabs a bust puts the bust on top of the cupboard then he grabs a wig puts the wig on top of the bust and he's like oh, one more thing and he grabs a tarnished tiara and shoves it on top and my god did my arms go numb when i read book seven based on this extract like but did you remember it at the time i didn't remember it going in but in book seven i believe harry says um and he has a memory of grabbing a tarnished tiara and i was fully like oh no but i thought you meant is in the moment you found out that like it was the diadem i thought that you meant that you immediately put it together no but harry immediately puts it together no i know well he doesn't immediately but like eventually yeah when it it was when harry puts it together i was like no way like oh my god like just unbelievable it's very clear I think in all the other books we've been questioning like how much she had planned out, how much fall through, but it is very clear from the beginning of book six, she had book seven planned and finished. And that makes the two books very interlinked, which I like yeah. a lot. Yeah, definitely. Like, it is good. It's fucking it's good. good. Like, good. yeah. And like, it's, it raises quite an interesting thing as well. Like, is it coincidence that Harry went down oh this Oh my bit? God, I wrote a whole note about, yeah. Like, is it to do with like their connection? Yes. So I think I was swayed by the fact I am in the middle of the fifth Akatar book at the moment mm. where uh, Nestor has... Is it, this is, spoilery? No, it, okay, so there's this whole concept in actor of like calls to like what is made by a certain power then calls to other so i was like i immediately because i'm reading that in my spare time was like oh well harry chose this corridor and then ended up grabbing the tiara because like calls to like and then i was like no okay and the reason why i'm getting more confused with this is the film puts that concept that fantasy concept in which i don't I only hate because they didn't do the work themselves that they should have with the Horcruxes, yeah. so they were they necessitated putting it in. But I think pretty explicitly in the books, but I'm going to watch it very closely, the Horcruxes don't call to each other at all. They don't react to each other. No. There's none of that like calls to like. But if she wanted to do that, this would fit very well with that, that Harry, without thinking, without realising, chose this path down this cathedral-sized maze of object... He chose this path, he chose that cabinet, he grabbed that tiara. Yeah. I think the like my reading of it is that it isn't 
fully just a coincidence maybe slightly but like obviously there is a reoccurring theme of how similar harry and voldemort are partly because of the shared soul and partly because they're just similar anyway yeah so i kind of buy into the fact that like yeah both because of the soul and just because they're similar that they made similar choices that like a certain path looked like appealing to them to like go down in this like maze of objects that plus coincidence i think it's kind of like an accumulation of like reasons that they both ended up at the same place i I wouldn't be it would be a bit too convenient if she'd done like like calls to like in this book because it's a plot twist that harry is a horcrux but it would have made the plot twist quite cool if harry didn't understand why he kept finding the objects and then i don't know like i'm not mad it's not in there i kind of like that they have to work normally hard but i i wouldn't be mad if it was in there Mm. i think is what i'm saying yeah i think i've always hated like the film interpretation that i think starker does a really good job of taking the piss out of this just like oh his spidey senses he just knows it's there it's so poorly executed i think the idea of like calls to like is a bit different to that in the way that i see it like it's a bit less like oh i literally i can feel the vibrations like you know like yeah yeah like it's just they executed it so badly in the films they did and the thing that pisses me off more than anything is by that point they'd written themselves into a corner they were they were constantly three books behind there was no need for them to do that they had by the time they were making the fifth book all the the fifth film all the information available so what really pisses me off is how stupid the makers of the sixth film were bear in mind it's the same person that made film seven and eight why would you not include the tiara in film six why why would you not make it such a joyful moment for the viewers to make it such a quick cut of you doing Mm. that it also would open up so much room for and we reach our unofficial segment of charlie and hannah should direct a netflix show of harry potter if jk rowling was somehow not involved by a meteor and then we get brought on as the executive producers yes that's the dream now but yeah, it would give the potential for this this moment that you could put in in this book where you have the scene of like Harry frantically running, like absolutely like like belting it down like these corridors, like doing this blah, 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 blah. And then you could at the same time in the seventh film use that same footage interspersed with a very calm Tom Riddle walking down the exact same path and you could also cut it so that all you see is like a foot a hand a side of a robe when it's it's both so you think oh we're having a flashback to when Harry went and hid the book and he saw the tiara and then boom it pans up and so or something that's and it's tom riddle that's fantastic that's amazing but hire me i understand the mistakes they made in for example film two film three Mm. of not having that foresight because they made the decision to make the films when the books weren't finished that was a monetary decision which yeah made sense from a money perspective but was dumb but by the time you've got to film six how dare you be not thinking like that when every book is available how dare you not do that is my jumper within arm's reach no i think it might be down there that would that will do. What are you? I'm gonna wear my jeans. Like a blanket? This isn't gonna work. It's. This is fine. 
No, it isn't. This is absolutely fine. I can reach the bangle. I don't think it. I know it actually works. <laughs> Looks quite good. Right, fashion icon. It's like an incredibly cropped denim I jacket. Like it. I, I can't like believe it. this works. <laughs> is it comfy? Oh no. Well, no, you have to stay I, like that now until no, I can I stand up and pull it off. off you. Yeah, we'll do it later. No, we're doing it now. No. No, I get claustrophobic. Oh, my God. Put your arms in the air. For God's sake. We'll do it later. Why don't we do it no, now? No, claustrophobic. It's fine. It's going to come off. Don't knock the plant over. Don't knock your drink over. Right. Here's the blanket. Right. So, Harry hides the book in a cupboard that he uses the tiara to mark, which, oh! So then he runs back out to the bathroom to find Snape. And Snape pulls all his books out, his bag, is checking everyone, and then finally pulls out the advanced potion making book. And he's like, this is your book? Yes. Are you sure it's your book? Yes. And Snape's like, well, why does it say Runal Waslip? I love this so much. And we've covered this in the other episode. Why does it say Runal Waslip? It doesn't make any fucking sense. It shouldn't say Runal Waslip. That's the stupidest thing ever. Because if the spell checking pen stopped working, he wrote this in at the beginning of the year. Yeah. Whatever. But Harry lies and says it's his nickname and Snape just, just can't deny that because Harry's like, oh, it's a name my friends call me. And Snape's like, I know what a nickname is. The outrageousness of this lie when it's so obviously Ron Weasley. Weasley. You know what this reminds me of? The like Tumblr trend back in the day when people would call Benedict Cumberbatch anything other than his name. Oh, that's still going on. I saw a TikTok about it the other day and I find it hilarious. Yeah, I saw a TikTok about it the other day where people were saying that they love it so much, but Benedict Cumberbatch isn't really that relevant nowadays, so we need to do it with someone else, aka Uh, Timothy Chalamet. Timothy Chalamet, of course. But this reminds me of the same thing. Like, it's not Ron Weasley, but it's so obvious. But this is actually a thing, and I can't remember the exact thing, but there's some, I think it was Oxford or Cambridge, did a study, and, like, the average person can still read a sentence if you only put the first and... I, this could be wrong, but, like, I think it's the first and last no, letter. So you're right about this because road signs in this country are designed so that you never read the full thing something about the font and the capitalization at the beginning is so that your brain reads the shape and because we all know most cities in this country you will see a capital b the length and shape of the word and go birmingham fine and yeah on average people don't read it they are looking at the shape and the first letter so yeah yeah, it it, the study is true and it was that theory was put into road road signs and you know who developed all those road signs a woman Woo! I just like pointing out women's inventions. Did you see the um, Ford advert they did for International Women's Day? So they did this advert which started off incredibly offensively and it was the point, it was to create clickbait of like, we've invented a car just for men. Excellent. And actually as the advert went on and on and on, it was just for men because they took out everything that has ever been designed by a woman to feature in a car. So it was like, and it has no seatbelts and no rear view mirror and no wing mirrors why am i so not surprised that women invented all all the safety features features and they just kept the men are like oh yeah engine wheels yeah and women are like like, you know the things that don't kill other people yeah yeah 
So Love it was that. a very good International Women's Day advert. That's very good. I but yeah, enjoy that. That, that roadside thing was invented by a woman. But yes, I've read the study. Yes. Yeah. That that applies here where it's like, this is Ron, Ron Weasley. Weasley. And the outrageousness. Also because like normally nicknames are either based on your name or based in some... Joke. Like thing that you were known for, thing that you did. So the outrageousness of this... It's so transparently not about him. And I really appreciate that Harry has the balls to just lie about it. Yeah. Because this is the thing. Like, I would never do this. I would never do the switching of the books. And I would never lie about the nickname because I would just be like, it's not believable. It's going to be see-through. But that's not the point. A lie does not have to be believable so long as it can't be proved to be not true. Exactly. There's nothing Snape can do if Harry's standing there saying, it's my book, it's my nickname. There's nothing he can do. If he can't find the actual book. And I think also... Nobody, no crime. What this feeds into is, because Harry is given detention every Saturday for the rest of the term, and Snape asks, do you think this is fair? And Harry's like, no. And Snape's like, lol, well, it is. Uh, No, this obviously isn't... It's only just about fair. In a lot of other circumstances, Harry should be expelled or get a lot less punishment than this. But I think an element of this is, Harry later thinks in the chapter like, oh, I have to be told off by McGonagall because everyone knows. No, no way. No way Snape told the whole story. Mm. The reason why Harry isn't expelled or isn't given a worse punishment other than what Snape hands out is because this is Snape's own spell and he cannot tell the full story. Yeah. Yeah. Like, the yes, he's given an absolute bollocking by Professor McGonagall who says, I agree with the punishment, but I don't believe Snape told her the full story. I think he told her, Ron and... No, Ron. Harry and Malfoy had a fight in the bathroom and Malfoy ended up a lot worse and is in the hospital wing and there was blood. Yeah, yeah. And definitely would have left out the fact that Draco tried to crucio... No, sorry, crouton Harry. Exactly. And I think Snape also left out that Harry used a dark unregistered spell and just say yeah and just what kind of went yeah that was blood it was a bad fight because Mm. snape is implicated in this so harry may say oh this punishment doesn't fit the crime a yes it does b you should have worse punishment than this but he can't because snape would implicate himself exactly so yeah then they're in the we switch to the common room later on and hermione is She's absolutely right, but this is so not the moment to do it. I'm kind of a little bit on the other side. Like, yeah. she is right. Oh my God, she's right. Yeah, but she's like, like, and she's literally like, I won't say I told you so. It's, it's like, like, don't this. say that. That's a fucking irritating You're saying it thing. then. Yeah, you're saying it then. You're saying it then. Like, she is being really irritating. It, it's one of those things where it's like, it's almost like, yes, he should be punished, but it's kind of like no punishment needed because the act itself was the punishment. Yeah. Like, Harry's not come away from this experience like, yeah, this was a great life choice. Yeah, I'm going to do that I'm again. I'm going to cut up more people. Yeah. So, like, whilst I agree that, yes, the school obviously should punish him, there's no need for Hermione to say this. No. there's abs- This is not, as I would say to Todd when he pushes something off my desk, what's that productive behaviour? Yeah. That. Hermione just wants Harry to say you were right. It's for her own benefit and I hate to say that she's in the wrong but she is. Yeah and she's not being a good friend. No. But I do think she is deserved to not be a good friend because Harry's never a good friend to her. But also then Harry doubles down and is actually then becomes the bad person again by saying yeah I'm gonna go back for the book. He might have just copied it down. He didn't know it was bad. Mm. Harry. 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 So yeah, Harry's like insistent that he, because he's formed a parasocial relationship with the book, that actually, no, no, the book's fine. The prince didn't mean it. I'll go back for it at some point. So then I'm back on Hermione's side. Like, yeah, don't be like, I won't say I told you so. But 
Harry, like realize that something is wrong here yeah i mean i'm kind of in between where i actually don't think that that i don't think that there is anything wrong with him going back for the book mm. i think that well one he should have just learned by now from the book and have you know unlocked a certain like potion making ability just by learning the like it's not a video game <laughs> you can't just unlock a new level you know what i mean though like he should have learned the skills right in the same way that potion making is like cooking you know he's learned like how to like stir things in a certain way or something i don't fucking know I can make white sauce now, by the way. I just had a bad recipe. I don't actually think that there's anything wrong with him using the book still, provided that he only uses the, like, step-by-step, this is how to make the potion better. Just, like, you know, just don't do the other stuff. It's like saying, oh, there's, like, you know, right-wing fascists on Twitter, so don't use it. Just don't read and believe and repeat the content, you know? Like, it's just, just, you're just applying a level of, like, critical thought, you know? Yeah, I think I think he's still too trusting and loving of the book. I think he doesn't he doesn't have enough enough critical thought the other way that the prince could be a bad person. Like I know he doesn't know it's Snape, but he doesn't even question whether the prince could be a potential future death eater based on the date yeah, of the book. But I think my point is that like what's wrong is Harry lacking that critical thought and not the actual action of him going back for the book. No, that's not wrong. It's the critical thought either way. It's like, this. for most of the book, he's been believing the prince is a friend and a good person. But this moment should make him question, yeah, he might still go back for it, but was the prince a, a future death eater? Was the prince yeah. someone that was terribly and, bullied? And I, and I can't believe that he like doesn't have that train of thought when we've literally already had the plot of like a book that turned out to be Voldemort that no point does he think, hmm, this might not be a good person. Exactly. Uh, then we get the line, which I pointed out earlier, you know I wouldn't use a spell like that, not even on Malfoy, which is a very good, it's a good line, it should be explored deeper. That That is the moment we should explore deeper Harry's mental thought process about what he's Mm. done i wonder if it got edited out it just feels so it feels so intentional to include that scene after the conversation with dumbledore that i'm like did it get edited out like i just it it seems so bizarre to me to like almost perfectly set up this train of thought yeah to then then follow it through yeah yeah um it's a possibility um moaning myrtle's told everyone yeah in her character yeah she's uh, a gossipy she's yeah. a gossipy lady yeah and again I, I kind of think that this is one of the things where it's like Hermione didn't need to be a little dick about it because like everyone knowing again is, is also the punishment. punishment 100% and Hermione because she's being a little bit dick about it Ginny and Hermione end up arguing uh, because Ginny is really sticking to Harry's side and she points out that it is very probable Draco was about to use Crucio, which is a good point. It doesn't mean Harry should have used that spell, but we know that Protego won't block an unforgivable curse. So, like, Harry was about to be Crucio'd when... I, I he think he was going to get some delicious croutons, croutons. when he did that. But yeah, Crouton, this is the... Crouton, Crouton. crunchy friends and a liquid broth. I am a... I am a crunchy... Crouton, crouton, fighting in the jungle. Crouton, crouton. What are you doing? I'm singing the soup song. Never heard it. Soup, super tasty soup, super spicy carrot and coriander, chili chowder. Crouton, crouton. Can't believe you don't know this. I don't. 
yeah, Ginny and Hermione end up arguing, which is the first and only time this happens in the book. I like that it's in there because it's quite nice that all the different friendship sectors get a little argument at some point. But I yeah. do find Harry's commentary on Ginny and Hermione always got along together very well ridiculous because Ginny and Hermione are very good friends. Like, they are, like, basically best mates. Yeah. And Harry's like, they've always got along together very well it's like harry just has no idea that these two are gossiping every night like he's got no clue but yeah yeah, they've got a little they have a little tiff yeah i don't get how Ginny doesn't get the ick from this if someone i had a crush on had done this i'd be like yeah she's very on his side which shows how much she likes him i guess yeah and also like thinking more about how myrtle told everyone given that we do have this like reoccurring theme of like Hogwarts turning against Harry for Harry against Harry for Harry I'm really surprised that this doesn't inspire at least to my memory maybe we'll read the following chapters and be like oh like that Mm. does happen but I don't remember it happening but you think that this would be another thing for them to be like oh no he is a bad guy like it doesn't happen I suppose maybe the way it was displayed is Malfoy and Harry have always had this rivalry and Harry just happened to win this fight but yeah but like I don't know I feel like you know there's a difference between oh like you're a bully and we don't get along and we've like we've had a duel and I did the jelly leg jinx or made you vomit slugs and like someone literally being in the hospital wing with like slashes and scars all over their body yeah that's a fucking difference yeah yeah so we switch to the saturday which is harry's first detention day but also the final quidditch match and harry has to go to snape's office and copy out old punishment files onto new pieces of parchment where they've been damaged and snape thinks this is a bad punishment because he gives him a load of boxes which contain misdemeanors by the marauders to me this is fascinating i wouldn't find it upsetting i'd be like finally i'm getting like a real day-to-day insight into my parents yes i have this exact same note this is not a punishment no this is a joyful task And, and maybe it's not supposed to be maybe snape in some way does feel some guilt about it because the thing is like if he gave this to hermione to be like I mean, obviously, I don't know her parents and uncles, but like, you know, hypothetically gave it to Hermione, like, look at all your parents' wrongdoings and misdemeanors. That would be a punishment for Hermione. But to Harry, and also because they're specifically uh, referred to as being petty misdeeds. So it's not like actual, like, for the most part, like serious cases of bullying or something that gave him the crisis before. For the most part, it's like the same shit that, like, Harry and Ron and Hermione do or, like, Fred and George do. It's like amusing petty misdeeds. And it's an insight into James's personality and abilities Harry's and... always been curious for this day-to-day like insight into his parents' lives and Safe has literally handed it to him as a punishment. It's wild to me that it's a punishment. It's like you're getting to see what the little hijinks him and Sirius got up to. Yeah, exactly. One thought that I did, did have is like, surely when Snape was developing this uh, curse, sectum sempra at school, he was going to have had to test it at some point to be like, yes, this, this is works. a spell that works. Which means that surely he would have got caught and would have got punished for it. And I guess maybe we can be like, okay, yes, like maybe he specifically made sure to take out his own cards from these things. But I'm like, I feel like there is the possibility that like Harry could have been going through these and found instances of Snape or maybe even other people as well if the curse did spread mm. using sectum 
Sectum Sempra. Mm, that's a good point. But I guess maybe he would be like, oh, Accio, any cards to do with my... And unless know. also in a very dark way, like he was using it on himself or the other Slytherins and immediately healing it to test it. Yeah. I find it weird that one, that they've kept these anyway, and two, that they need to be preserved. I'm not really sure the reason. I guess maybe... I mean, they don't. It's just, it's one of those absolutely pointless punishments. Yeah. But yeah, I do wonder if like maybe Snape, not even that he like, he doesn't mean it as like a reward so much, but more that he knows that it's kind of like not really punishment. And maybe because he does feel guilt about the fact that he wrote such a spell with no definition of what it did Mm. in a school book. And then clearly just left it somewhere. Mm. Like, maybe he does actually feel guilt about that. Maybe, yeah. So the detention after about four hours is over and the match is already finished. Harry can't hear anything going on. So he walks back up to the common room. And when he enters the common room, it's very clear immediately that Gryffindor have won! Yay! Yay! I really like that the fat lady like doesn't give anything away. I know! And she's, she's just like, joker. you'll see! You'll see! And yeah, the first thing he sees is Ron brandishing the cup. Like, yes! But then Ginny will, runs, sprints up to Harry with a blazing look of determination on her face. <laughs> throws her arms around Harry and Harry just responds by kissing her. I reading this as like a at a formative age. I just remember this being like the most like heart fluttery oh, gotcha. like oh my god like the fact that he doesn't like consciously do it she just goes to like hug him and then they're kissing and stuff yeah. and like it's pretty baller from harry yeah and like i remember it being like cute and fluttery and also like a little bit of rousing and stuff like mm. it, it it was like a big moment like i really 100%. loved this moment like i i can't really remember i'm not sure that i like massively shipped them or anything beforehand and i do think that their romance is like really clunkily written mm. and the monster thing is just horrifying but I've always really liked this moment yeah because I, I just think it's like such a nice thing and it's like something as well that like I have experienced in my life like with friends when it's like that thing like when you like each other but it's like unsaid and you spend ages worrying about it and like complicating the friendship and this and that and then something one day it just, just happens. happens and it's like mutual and like literally with one of my exes like we used to have an argument about who kissed who first because we were like no you kissed me no you kissed me because we just kissed each other at the same time yeah i do like that trope of kissing each other at the same time because the the moment is right it's been it's been coming on yeah and it's such a lovely moment when it happens because it's just like unsaid and neither of you have like asked like not on a judgy not ask consent like you you don't need to and there's no moment when you realize like it happens so fast you don't realize the other person wants it it just suddenly happens Happens. yeah Yeah. it's 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 about to happen with us it's a it's a a well-written moment and yeah you're i'm the same it used to fill me with like yeah yeah and i like the way it's written that she's got this blazing look of determination and then yeah and uh, then dean smashes, smashes a, a glass. glass oh dean oh like aunt marge he's just like <gasps> i don't know to my be strength fair, horrible that he had to see the first kiss like a week but after the glass is very punching a wall but he doesn't do it intentionally he does it with accidental magic which is a bit better but it still gives me the ick. Yeah. Harry then looks at Ron, who gives him a small head nod. In a bit like, well, if you must. <laughs> yes. Uh, also, Hermione looks like she's like beaming. <laughs> I imagine it fully like, 
she's oh no she's doing a full cheer routine like yeah! she's got the pom-poms out like but also this is where we're talking about moments that are unwritten in Ron and Hermione where we can see them get the together the future is unwritten this moment where Ron's like gives them this tiny nod but then must turn to Hermione and be like what and she's like or he's like, oh, finally. Yeah. But like, this is a big moment for them that because Harry is not there, doesn't yeah. get talked about, that they must spend the rest of the evening either being like, help, please explain this to me. Or, oh, thank God it's finally happened. Let's get yeah. drunk. I do like to think that Harry interprets this as a like, well, if you must, but is actually a, it, like the way Ron <laughs> intended it was a, I've known for ages. Yeah. And like and it. I do genuinely think that he did know. It's not that he didn't care, it's that he's had a lot of time to come to terms with yeah. it. Because even if Harry wasn't being a gormless idiot and making it really, really obvious, like even if it's not like, you know, like he is literally like staring or anything, even though he was, you can tell. Like, you can tell most of the time when, like, people like each other. And at the end of book five, Ron even hinted that he wanted Harry to ask Ginny out. He yeah. even hinted it. So, like, it is not off Ron's radar to want yeah. this. Yeah, like, I think he, like, I think he's, you know, and I, and I think when he probably first, like, realised or started to suspect that Harry had started to like her back, he might not have, like, immediately been, like, really, really okay with it. But I think he's had so long to think about it and to come to terms with it. Yeah. Like, he's fine. And, yeah, I fully think that he meant this not, like... I've uh, known, I know but Harry takes it as a well if you must yeah and obviously part of me doesn't like the nod from the terms of like the misogyny of like oh the older brother has you to may. approve you may yeah. but I understand that even if you take the misogyny out of it that protective older sibling vibe is just always going to be there and they are the best of friends so yeah. like there is always going to be that element that they have to get over and it's not Although elements of Ron's behaviour have been extremely rooted in misogyny, I don't actually see this nod as one of those elements. I, I see it as quite friendly. I agree. And I will always think the worst in Ron, but genuinely this moment, I don't read it that way at all. Yeah. Like, you know, I think it's very easy to because Ron's had his history of like feeling this like sense of ownership mm. over Ginny. Mm. But I think in this moment, I prefer to read it as more of a like we're okay as friends like, and, from, and from Ron's perspective I'd actually be more annoyed than he is not because as I said earlier of oh you're going out with my sister because Harry didn't tell him before and they're meant to be best friends and like he should have confided in, in that before and that would be where my annoyance would come from yeah definitely so <clears throat> they then Harry's like let's go for a walk uh, um, sorry before that the uh, creature in his head was roaring in triumph yeah I didn't read that bit I ignored it um, so Harry's like head nod to walk which is in air quotes and then Harry thinks inside his own head um, if they had time to discuss the match and then I vomited in my own mouth yeah I'm, I'm gonna choose uh, to believe that that's meant because they were having the relationship chat because yeah, you know they they're teenagers that kissed once so they must have so many chats and so much hand holding and definitely no, no horizontal snogging in the grounds happened it's funny because we both read like romance books when people get together but it's something about reading Harry Potter from when he's 11 I'm like ah, no yeah. don't touch each other it's also like picturing Dan Rad who for some reason I just I just view as like a completely asexual entity yeah like and I guess in a way I, I do for most of like the cast because you have seen them from so Such young a young age yeah. but like I think especially with Daniel Radcliffe and like 
and he's like on paper like a really attractive guy oh yeah but something about him is just deeply like unsexual to me yeah it, it is the problem when you start a book this young any mention of any more than cutesy romance i'm like oh, mm. don't touch She's like, we're literally doing the thing the little boy from the princess bride when there's the kissing scenes and he's like oh skip this part <laughs> that's part. us i'm yeah. like oh i shit front of mine so hot bad but don't touch each other no <laughs> gross i mean but like partners don't touch right never no, never. you and Neil don't touch. Never, ever. ever. My mum and never dad even don't touch. Hold hands. My mum and dad don't touch, do they? They've never touched each other. Okay, yeah, I thought so. And that's the end of the chapter. We Woo! have a question. So Arthur asks, I want to know how you would recast Harry Potter in your Netflix series. Please do as many as possible, and they all have to be different than the original. They can, however, be dead. I oh. should have spent more time thinking about this. Yeah. So, okay. I actually I love doing fan castings and this I'm is really weird. Bad at it. Yeah, this is weird because I am bad at it and I'm just someone and I don't mean this in like a like I'm not like other girls. I just don't know celebrities kind of way. But I genuinely am really bad with faces and really bad with names and don't really pay that much attention. Yeah. So I'm really bad at like knowing different actors. But for some reason, one of my favorite hobbies is doing fan castings and I have like notes and everything. But I haven't done Harry Potter. I think because aside from the podcast, I'm like engaging with Harry Potter media like far less even mm. in like uh, what I spend my time thinking about. But yeah. Can we cast Henry Cavill as James Potter? <laughs> Dumbledore. <laughs> Dumbledore, Jude Law. <laughs> or, yeah, we could do, like, Hugh Grant as Lockhart. He's a bit old now. I feel like if if they said that they can be dead, I think that we can say any age. Okay. Well, how good would British actors and Daniel Radcliffe come up? Like, Shut up, go away. <laughs> Shut up, not you. <laughs> I do feel like Kit Harrington could make a good series. I literally... I literally just read Kit Harrington's name and thought, serious, and opened my mouth to say that and you said that. Like, I'm not shitting you. He'd make a great serious. <sighs> Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I, I feel like I've only seen him ever do the same thing, so I'm not mm, sure. But I could see it. You were about to say it to me. I no, do I like the fan cast of Thingy from the second load of spider-man films as remus lupin he's obviously american but i do like that casting yeah i feel like (laughs) not him in any way looks wise but in just acting and personality wise martin freeman can make a good accurate simon pegg as ron no (laughs) no simon pegg as mr weasley oh god oh yeah andrew garfield as as lupin i can see it I can see it. Yeah. This is so hard. Also, yeah. I'm so far down the actors that Alfie Enoch has come up. I know. <laughs> I feel like Charles Dance could make a good Dumbledore. I don't know who that is. Charles Dance, he played um the oldest Lannister man in Game of Thrones. There's probably is all British actors <laughs> are in the films. What has happened to the viewfinder? What have I done? You've not put it up fully. Great. Uh, Joe Alwyn as anyone. Every role every role no do you know what it'd make a really good Peter Pettigrew <laughs> yeah ooh who could he be ooh yeah uh Blaze 
Yes. yes. Lucian Lovers Count as Blaze. Nice. Nice. Ooh. Ooh. Okay, I've just seen this and never thought this before, but I'm now fully behind it. I think Tandy Newton could make a great Bellatrix. Ooh. Tandy Newton? Ooh, yes. She was... Uh, I can't remember which season of line of duty she was in but oh my god i've seen her in a load of other things but mm. oh my god yeah she could make a great bellatrix will sharp as harry do you not think i can see it yeah what's he been in i don't know i'm no. just he's on my list of up and comings i do recognize him but i, I couldn't tell you actually let me read his description <clears throat> landscapers casualty the electrical life of lewis wayne i've no idea florence Pugh as lavender Oh, Jonathan Bailey could be a good Snape. <gasps> Not Snape. Sorry, serious. He's too hot for Snape. Is he too hot for James? Because I'm not sure if he's too nerdy for Sirius. He could be a good James. He could be a I good James. I could see him as a James. Paul <laughs> Meskel. <laughs> I think Sophie Turner could have been a good Ginny if like the different timings aligned. Mm-mm. It's amazing Olivia Coleman wasn't in the Harry Potter films. I know. I hope they appreciate the effort we're going to for this. Of scrolling. We really should have prepped in advance, but we're never going to do that. No. I think the person that was in the flat share, who was also in Downton Abbey... Who? The girl. Oh. Could have made a good Hermione back when she was younger. Yeah. Uh, I will research who that is. Oh, Dev Patel as Harry. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, Jessica Brown Findlay I feel like could have been a good Hermione yeah I think we're doing this like any age just oh, any god, age oh god yeah well, I don't know any 11 year olds so no exactly I'm done now okay I'm done as well we hope you like that do um oh actually I can put it as a question down below let's put it as a question down below inform us of other actors and actresses and act act to thems please because we don't know any oh my god I have not felt a single pang of hunger throughout this episode I just for some reason like put down my phone looked at you and was like I'm starving I'm gonna please kill someone I'm gonna... <laughs> food 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 um, but yeah on let that us, note let us know your fan cast which will be a hell of a lot better than ours yes definitely and thank you so much for watching and listening everything we mentioned such as Notion will be in the descriptione and thank you and goodbye bye Thank you for listening to this episode of Goblet of Wine. To find us on social media, search at Goblet of Wine Pod on Twitter or at Goblet of Wine Podcast on Instagram. We also have a website over at www.gobletofwine.co.uk where you can keep up with everything that we do. This podcast is produced by our wonderful Hufflepuff tier patrons Yolanda, Sir Bandersnatch, Samuel, Patrick, Nick, Michael, Meg, Kylie, Cara and Molly, Jasmine. Florian and Ash. If you'd like to support this podcast, check out our Goblet of Wine Patreon, where you can also gain access to bonus episodes, behind-the-scenes content, and our Discord. Thank you so much for listening to this episode, and we'll see you in the next one. Bye! Bye.